You are listening to Victory Alabang Podcast. You have a role in discipling the next generation. Learn about how God can use you in this message by Pastor Ariel Marquez. For the next two weeks, we're going to be looking at that God really has a heart for young people. And somehow, you know, in this ministry, we've been celebrating our 30th anniversary this year. And from the very beginning of this ministry, we've always focused on young people. God has given us a mandate to really minister and disciple the future leaders. And how many of you have gone to school? You've gone through, whether, you know, high school, college, you've actually been to school, or you are now studying. Can you please raise your hand? You've stepped foot on a campus, basically, okay? Please raise your hand. Yung hindi nag-raise kamay, or SY, okay? Out-of-school youth, okay? Parang ganun, di ba? And uh, I believe all of us have gone through a campus. That's why, um, you know, even at the very beginning of this ministry, when Pastor Steve and Pastor Rice uh, started this ministry 30 years ago, there were a bunch of young students, I mean, young, sorry, young pastors, 25 years old uh, at that time. Pastor Steve, still a lot of hair, and, you know, we, they focused on young people. And somehow, the pastors of the city are saying, why will you start your ministry in New Belt? There's, you know, it's like a minister's graveyard. There's nothing there. Because many of the people there are transient uh, people. Some of the students, or many of the students, really are coming from the provinces. And during uh, summertime, they go back to the provinces, and your provinces and your church will practically disappear during summer. But somehow, this is the strategy and the mandate that God has given us. And 30 years after... Some of those young people have gotten their jobs and brought their families to Christ, and the rest is history, and we are now uh, gathered here. Many, many, a little bit older generation, but still a lot of young people. And how many of you are really, really young here tonight? Can you please raise your hand? Can you do a holler? Woohoo! All right, okay. It's good to hear the noise and the passion of the youth. And so, this is just two weeks where uh, we're entitling our, our series, uh, You. Hey, look at the person beside you and tell that person, that's you. Okay? And that's why we're, you know, we're, we're, uh, we've, uh, we've seen in the video the history of selfie. How many of you have done selfie at least once in your life? Labas ang mga cell phone right now and then uh, let's do a selfie. In fact, if you have your cell phone right now, can you just do that? Do yourself a selfie. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. Sige, sige, sige. I'm authorizing you right now, okay? Silent mode pa rin, okay? But right now, if you have your cell phone, just... <laughs> All right. Anyway, kayo, okay? Okay, we're... Uh, for the next two weeks, we're going to be focusing on you. This uh, Sunday, today, we're actually focusing on the current generation. I don't want to call it old. Current generation. And next week, we're going to be looking at the future generation. The Generation of Tomorrow. And uh, to give us a, uh, an overview of the series, this is our series objective, to impart God's heart and our movement's values for re- reaching the next generation, which will inspire our people to get involved. Now, how many of you have children, your parents? Can you please raise your hand? Your parents. Konti lang, okay. Konti lang? Now, how many of your parents? You have, uh, you know, at least like a few young people in your house. Great. I believe that you're, you know, you're familiar with young people running in your house. The energy of the young people, the passion of the youth. And, you know, 
it's so interesting to know that kids nowadays are really different. They're more adventurous. They're smarter than, you know, than many of us. Uh, you know, I was just browsing through the internet and I found out that the, one of the youngest persons to climb Mount Everest is actually a 13-year-old boy, okay? And his name is Jordan Romero from the U.S. He was able to climb Mount Everest in May of 2010. And if you look at the article, he did not just climb Mount Everest, but he actually climbed the seven summits of the different continents of the world. Can you imagine that? 13 years old, young people. You know, we don't really have to wait for them to grow old before they do things that are significant. How many of you will agree with me on that? You know, sometimes we hear that, you know, statement, you're too young. Bata ka pa. Okay? Uh, you know, you, you still have a lot to learn. But I realize that God always chooses young people to shape the world. And we're going to be looking at that uh, in a while. You know, another young person, Jessica Watson from Australia at the age of 16, she was able to circumnavigate the entire world by sailing around the world unassisted, by yourself. How many of you would like to try that? I don't know how many years we'll be doing that. And it's interesting to note also that there's a young Filipino who actually discovered you know, a, uh, a possibility of recharging your cell phone just by walking. And he's, uh, he's featured in, uh, in fact, he just joined the Google Science Fair this year. His name is Angelo Casimiro. He's 15 years old, and he invented a way to charge a cell phone with your own shoes. How many of you would like to buy that product just in case it comes out of the market? How many of you sometimes run out of battery in your cell phone? And he realized and he found out that the average person really walks about maybe seven to 10,000 steps a day. And he said he's going to capitalize on that. And he actually discovered a way on how to connect shoes with your cell phone. In fact, he said this in the, in the fair in Google. He was invited there as he presented because he joined several fairs already. And he declared, I'm a Filipino. I live in the Philippines, and just by looking around my surroundings, I can see that a lot of people are suffering from poverty, explains Casimiro. A simple source of light is a big deal for people who don't have electricity. That basically pushed him and helped him motivate himself to be able to find some other source of power, and that is by walking. He also actually joined several fairs and won a uh, different robotic show. And you get, it's really interesting, you know, how this young man, 15 years old, is able to uh, use his talent and, and brains in order to make an impact uh, in the world. And as I was reading that, I also found some article about, you know, some young people, because it's so normal for, like, for example, I am, I am 40 plus already, okay? Uh, plus, plus. I don't, you know, you guess the plus, Okay. <laughs> Pwede plus 9, pwede plus 8, pwede plus 2, okay? I'm 40 plus. And, um, you know, many consider myself as a midlife person. I don't have midlife crisis, okay? I'm in my midlife, di ba? Uh, you know, 40s to 50s is midlife. How many of you in your midlife? Don't raise your hand anymore, okay? Particularly the ladies. But there's such a thing or a phenomenon called midlife crisis. Nowadays, they're saying that not only is there midlife, but sociologists also found out that there is what you call a quarter-life crisis. This is a crisis uh, of people in their 20s. 
Okay, when young adults emerge from graduating from almost two decades of schooling, you know, during a time of which, you know, in, in, in their schooling, there's always an organized thing. Somebody fixes things for them like a schedule. And finally, when they graduate from college, they finally face the real world. And they have a lot of choices. Choices in career, choices in uh, money source, relationships, uh, finance, uh, you know, uh, choices of home, social networks, okay, whether to go for Friendster or, or Instagram or whatever. Okay? There's just a thing as quarter-life crisis. And many of our young people somehow right now are confused on what their purpose in life is all about. In fact, one particular uh, author, uh, named Emma Barrier, said that as melodramatic as the term may sound, the fact that almost three-quarters of people aged uh, between 26 and 30 said in a recent poll that they were feeling dissatisfied and frustrated with their lives. Can you imagine at the age of 20 to 30, you're already frustrated with your life? How many of you are in that age? How many of you are happy and not frustrated? And I believe that it's because of the purpose that the Lord has given us as Christians. I'd like to invite everyone to stand with me. We're going to be reading from the book of 1 Samuel. We're going to study the Bible this afternoon, and we're going to focus on the story of uh, one particular person as she was called by God to raise up a prophet in Israel and how we can impact uh, the next generation as well by applying what uh, lessons she's learned uh, for that. 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 10 and 11, and then we'll be jumping to uh, verse 9. In bitterness of soul, Hannah wept much and prayed to the Lord. She was actually barren, and she was uh, praying for God to give her a child, but uh, she's not seen a child uh, in her married life. And she made a vow saying, O Lord Almighty, if you will only look upon your servant's misery and remember me and not forget your servant, but give her a son, then I will give him to the Lord for all the days of his life. And no razor will uh, will ever be used on his head. Let's jump to verse 19. Early the next morning, they arose and worshipped uh, before the Lord and then went back to their home at Ramah. This is uh, the, the husband and wife, uh, Elkanah and Hannah. Elkanah lay with Hannah, his wife, and the Lord remembered her. Everybody say, the Lord remembered her. You know, the Lord really don't have amnesia, okay? But when you talk about the Bible, uh, when the Bible speaks about the Lord remembering somebody, it speaks of God's covenant of faithfulness to His people. In verse 20, it says, So in the course of time, Hannah conceived and gave birth to a son. She named him Samuel, saying, Because I asked the Lord for him. So that is the meaning of the name Samuel. Verse uh, 21, When the man Elkanah went up, with all his family to offer the annual sacrifice to the Lord and to fulfill his vow, Hannah did not go. She said to her husband, After the boy is weaned, I will take him and present him before the Lord, and he will live there always. And she's referring to Samuel staying in the temple of God. Do whatever seems best to you, Elkanah, her husband told her. Stay here until you have weaned uh, him. Uh, only may the Lord make good his word. So the woman stayed at home and nursed her son until she had win- weaned him. Verse 24, after uh, he was weaned, uh, she uh, took the boy with her. Young as he was, along with a three-year-old bull, 
an ephah of flour and a skin of wine and brought him to the house of the Lord at Shiloh. When they had slaughtered the bull, they brought the boy to Eli. Eli was the priest uh, in charge of the temple. And she said to him, As surely as you live, my Lord, I am the woman who stood here beside you praying to the Lord. So now I give him to the Lord for his whole life. He will be given over to the Lord and he worshiped the Lord there. Let's bow our heads and pray. Father, we thank you for this afternoon. We ask that you would bless the preaching of your word. Thank you for every young person that is here. I thank you for the calling and the destiny that you have for their life. We thank you even for our current generation, Lord God, even the older ones. I thank you, God, that we're still in, in, in charge, Lord God, of the destiny, Lord God, that you have placed in the hearts of these young people. I pray, God, that uh, together, these two generations will be able to work together, Lord God, in seeing uh, a mighty move happen, Lord God, even in this nation. We thank you, Lord God, for your blessing upon this word. Open up our hearts to receive what the Spirit of God is saying to us as a church. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may all be seated. Young people. You know, as a parent, I have the privilege of really looking at young people at close range. I have, uh, you know, I have the experience of, you know, the, the journey of how a young girl uh, has journeyed now to becoming a, not even a teenager, but an adult. You know, I have three girls in my home, uh, aside from my wife, who's also a girl, and our maids, who are also girls. So, uh, you know, we're, God, I guess God knows when there's enough man in the house. Okay, I'm the only man in the house. But somehow, you know, in my journey as a father of, uh, of my young girls, you know, Bea is now in her uh, 20s, early 20s, and she's now working officially a taxpayer, and um, she's now an income earner. So, you know, I am in between that stage where she used to be so dependent on me, and now she's no longer dependent on daddy. And she's about, I don't know, maybe, you know, if the Lord wills it, in the next few years, maybe after 10, 15, 20 years, she'll be married, okay? Uh, Help us, Lord. The other week, we were going out as a family, and we went to uh, Tagaytay. And we are hosting, actually, a friend from the U.S. She's staying in our home. She's the sister of the daughter-in-law of Pastor Steve, who happens to be a good friend of Bea when they were younger. They were based here in the Philippines uh, about maybe 12, 13 years ago, when they were like less than 10. And uh, they've gotten to be good friends until they moved back to the States and now she's visiting and she's staying with us in our home. And we decided as a family that we're going to tour her. We went to Tagaytay. We decided to have like a brunch or maybe a lunch in uh, breakfast at Antonio's. Uh, for those of you who know, that's actually a nice place, cozy place, rather pricey, you know, restaurant. But it's nice. Okay? And so I said, well, it's time to treat the family. And so I, you know, we, we've ordered, um, you know, different... Uh, you know, um, from the, uh, things from the menu. And when I was getting the, the bill, I actually asked the waiter, give me the bill. 
And I was checking it, and Bea actually grabbed the bill from me. And she told me, Daddy, I'm, I'm in charge. I'll pay the bill. And I said, what? <laughs> and I was really surprised. For the first time, my, my daughter is, you know, paying the tab. And I said, are you sure? She said, Dad, I'll take care of this. <laughs> and Shirley said to the two little girls, Anna, Andrea, I want you to take Ate Bea for, you know, for our lunch today. And they said, they asked, why? Because she's paying for our lunch. And the two actually reacted, what? You know, the same way, because they're not used to their Ate paying. And so they said, thank you. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's rather an interesting sight, you know, now that my daughter is uh, starting to be independent and I remember some of the prayers, anyway, later on, I'll just share that. The prayer that we've had for, for Bayan. And still, in my own nest, I have a nine-year-old and I have a seven-year-old turning eight this coming October. Young people are definitely used by God, even at their young age. That's why, you know, even as a church, we're unabashed in allowing our young people to be able to use their skills and their talent to express their talent in worship unto the Lord. And we're not here after perfection. We're here after mentoring. We're here to raise up the next generation of leaders so that, you know, while they're young, they're starting to kill their giants. You know, when David was a young boy, he was called by God to kill Goliath. And it was him, just, you know, an ordinary day. He was asked by his dad, Jesse, to deliver Mirienda to, her, to his uh, brothers. And as he was delivering cheese and aroscado and palabok you know, to, to the brothers, he actually heard this giant taunting the armies of Israel. And he said, what's happening here? So he asked, what's happening here? And he said, why is that giant allowed to taunt the armies of Israel? So he volunteered at 16 years old. Can you imagine that? And he would not have done that had he not been exposed and trained to kill his own lions and bears. Before the giant, before David killed his own giant Goliath, he actually had an encounter with a lion and a bear. You know, I believe that our young people need to have their own encounter and experience in killing their own lions and the bears in their life. Because I believe that God is setting up a battle in the future wherein they will face their own giants. How many young people do we have in this place? How many of you are still excited to face your own giants? Come on. Kalahati na lang, okay? Young people are used by God in the nation of Israel and even in our, in our own nation. You know, if you look at our history, God used young people to shape our nation. Young people volunteering to fight for our freedom. One of our members of this church was actually tasked to design the, bank, the new banknotes of Central Bank. And it was released a couple of years ago. You're familiar with the new notes. Uh, B.G. Hernandez is actually a member of our church. And he is the creative director of Studio 5 Designs. That particular uh, company is owned by his mother. And B.G. has actually grown... In, in that particular field for many, many years in his life. He's been exposed there. And the central bank, the Banco Central of, uh, of, of Filipinas, 
basically ask them if they can make a design for uh, the bills that they will use for the next circulation. And this was uh, done during the time of the former president, GMA. BG took a two-year process of designing the template for the six bills, for the 20s, the 50s, the 100, the 200, the 500, and the 1,000 peso bill. So the basis of all the print came from the creativity and the mind of BG Hernandez. And, you know, when he find when the, when the, when there, there were actually two uh, design studios that won the bid, one is Studio 5 and there's another uh, studio uh, design, and he was personally involved in designing the 20 pesos, the 50 pesos, and the 1,000 peso bill. This is a photo taken during the launch of those new banknotes right there in the, uh, in the halls of Malacanang. And it was presented to the public by uh, President Pinoy Aquino. And so this is actually the, of course, this is, you're familiar. How many of you are familiar with this bill? Okay. Siyempre, sanay na sanay kayo magbilang niyan, di ba? Marami ako niyan. Marami akong 20, okay? Uh, and so he designed the 20 pesos. And, you know, when he was designing the 20 pesos, he said, you know, the image on the 20 pesos is our, you know, former, uh, well, second president of the Philippines, uh, Manuel Quezon. Sinasabi kanina, first president daw of the Republic. But ang first, di ba, si Aguinaldo, di ba, second yun, okay? So, anyway, depending sa history kung ano gusto pa paniwalaan, okay? So, anyway, second president. And so, if you notice, the old 20 peso bill has the old picture of Manuel L. Quezon. Somehow, BG, he had the free hand of putting whatever picture there in the design. And he suggested, why don't we put the younger picture of the president, which is now the more guapo Manuel L. Quezon. And that is really one of the highlights of that banknote, aside from the fact that he included a verse from Psalm 33, Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. In Tagalog, you, you probably notice in your banknotes, mapalat or ma, uh, Pinagpala ang bayan na ang Diyos ang Panginoon. Can you imagine? Every time you pay your peso, you are actually circulating the Word of God, exchanging that from one hand to the next hand to the next hand. And I believe the Word of God is actually slowly spreading around in this nation through those banknotes. Amen. So the next time you pay, lay hands on the banknote. Para makabaka-evangelize pa kayo so there are three generational lessons that we can learn from Hannah. I have a very simple uh, message this afternoon. Three next generation lessons from Hannah. You know, Hannah being a representative of the current generation, uh, the older generation, the mommy generation. As she was praying for a son, she did not realize that this particular boy will be used by God to impact not only her own household, but impact the whole nation of Israel. In fact, Samuel was chosen by God to be the last judge of Israel. At that particular point in the nation of Israel, they were in the period of judges. You know, uh, if you read uh, from Genesis to Deuteronomy, after Deuteronomy comes Joshua, after Joshua comes judges. There were no kings during that time. The old patriarchs are dead. Abraham, Isaac, uh, Jacob, Joseph, they're all dead. And God raised up judges in their midst. Remember Deborah. Remember Samson. 
Okay? Uh, and those uh, guys. And the last of those uh, judges was Samuel. And he was the one who will introduce the next era in the nation of Israel, which is the era of the kings. And he was the one who anointed the first and the second king of Israel, basically Saul and King David. Can you imagine? Hannah probably did not realize that this same son, this boy that she was praying and asking the Lord will be the one instrumental in shaping the entire nation of Israel. Can you imagine? If you look at your children, what do you see? Parents, when you look at your son, when you look at your daughter, what do you see? Tuition fee, <laughs> cell phone bill, you know, you know, and all this stuff, right? But yet, despite that, if you go beyond the expense and the budget, I believe that when the Lord describes our children, really children are a blessing from the Lord. Psalm 127 verse 3, the Bible says, Sons and daughters are a heritage from the Lord. Children are a gift from God. How many of you consider your children as a gift from God? Can you please raise your hand. How many of you consider you ibalik yung gift kay Lord? You know, freely we've been given this gift and we're supposed to be good stewards of this gift. There are no accidents in the Lord. Every one of your children, they are a gift from God. The same word says that they are like arrows. Same, uh, Psalm 127 verse 5, children are like arrows. And I believe that arrows are meant to hit a mark. If you watch Hunger Games, how many of you watch Hunger Games? I just watched it the other night. Sorry, late na ko eh. And this girl, what's her name? Katniss. Katniss. Everdeen. Her main weapon was an arrow. And if you notice, the arrow is not just sitting in her quiver. The arrow is meant to hit a mark. Every time there's an enemy, what does she do? She will get one arrow, put the arrow in her bow, and then shoot. And then get an arrow again. And you know, I didn't realize that you know, unlimited pala yung arrow nun. <laughs> Only arrow because, you know, she's been shooting and shooting and shooting. She doesn't run out of arrow. It's like iced tea. <laughs> it's bottomless arrow, you know. Maybe it's just Hollywood. But the point is this. Arrows are meant to hit a mark. Arrows are meant to hit a bull's eye. Your children are being shaped by God to become straight arrows. And I have not seen an arrow that is crooked. Because a crooked arrow is dangerous. Because if you shoot the crooked arrow, guess what? It will come back to you. (laughs) Right? It's going to be like a boomerang. But normally, when you see arrows, arrows are straight. And when you hit it, and when you release it from the ball, guess what? It will go straight to the mark that was designed by God for that child to hit. And I hope that we get to see our children that way. That's why the first lesson that we will learn from Hannah is we need to pray for the next generation. Hannah prayed for a son. She did not realize that this boy is going to shape the entire nation of Israel. And, you know, as she was praying, and, you know, of course, the Lord was faithful. How many of you know that the Lord is faithful? He's faithful to His promise, faithful to His covenant. Many times you don't even know the plans and the, the, the purpose of God, but yet, in, in God's sovereignty, 
He knows the beginning and the end. He's the Alpha and the Omega. And He gives us according to our capability. And so she was given this child. And she prayed this, For this child I prayed, and the Lord has granted me my portion, or my petition, that I made to Him. You know, I believe that we have a responsibility, not only as parents, but even us. Maybe you're an aunt or an uncle of a, of, a, of a nephew or a niece. You know, pray for those uh, children. Be multi-generational. Don't just pray for your own needs. Pray for the needs of the younger generation. We need to think multi-generational. We need to have a multi-generational mindset. You know, we need to think long-term. Everybody say long-term. You know, when our children were young, actually when Bea was still young, because my two girls are still young. When Bea was young, I remember Shirley and I were really praying for her future. We're praying for her, you know, path to be a straight path. We're praying, Lord, raise this girl up to be a woman of God. Her name is Beatrice Regina. Bea means joy bringer. Regina means queenly. And so we're praying for this child. You know, Lord, I thank you for this uh, queen in our home that's a joy bringer. And so we're declaring the word of God uh, over her. And we're actually asking the Lord, Lord, raise her up in your ways. We're asking the Lord, Lord, even in the future. She is like five years old during that time. Lord, in the future, I pray that you will give her a godly husband. I thank you, Lord God, that even right now that you're preparing this young boy to be able to know you at a very young age. So we were declaring that word. And now fast forward it about 17 years later, she's now 22, and I'm afraid that my prayer is going to be answered by the Lord. (laughs) This is one prayer that I don't want answered yet. I mean, I want it answered. I'm not really sure if this is the time for that answer to prayer of this prayer to come. But yet, I believe that in God's sovereignty and God's purpose, we we have a very big stewardship and responsibility over the young people in our own home. We pray for, we declare. That's why, you know, every time, you know, if you're a parent, every time you choose a name, the names of our children really means a lot. They matter. You know, many times they are like the arrows that point to where they should go. And, you know, those names are not accidents. You read in the Bible, these names have meanings. You know, the, the, the name Samuel is a gift from God. And, you know, really, literally, he was a gift, not only to the family of Hannah, but to the entire nation of, of Israel. We're declaring my second child, you know, Anna Victoria. My, my daughter Anna is actually a gracious warrior. Victoria means victory and Anna means gracious. How can you, how can you reconcile both? A warrior but gracious. We chose that name. We asked the Lord about that name. And we realized that as she was growing up, she is our in-house fashionista. She is so gracious when she moves. She is probably the most maarte among the sisters. She talks a lot. And whenever Shirley would order or ask for a, uh, an appointment with a home spa, and maybe some of you, are, you, know, you do call Home spa, there's a home spa service, right? The, man, the manicure and pedicure sometimes come to the house and they do it at home. Anna would always ask Shirley, can I also have my manicure? <laughs> so, in bista isa lang gasos ko, sometimes times three. Because dada may pa yung bunso. But we're praying, we're praying for that. And, 
You know, Victoria as a warrior, we notice that she has a strong will. Uh, you know, a strong will. Sometimes when she expresses herself, she will not stop until she gets what she is expressing, what she wants. Andrea is womanly. You know, and, and uh, you know, this is something that we are hoping to develop in her. To become a womanly girl. Because right now, she just acts like a clown. But anyway, we need to have a multi-generational mindset. Praying for our children. You know, we are the ones who will be praying for them. Not the pastors. Not the kids' church teachers. We only engage with them an hour and a half every Sunday. But you have them with you every day of the week. And my encouragement for you, if you're a parent here, my encouragement for you is it's not... Too late to start to pray in for the destiny of each and every one of our children. Have a multi-generational mindset because I believe that God will not only affect you as a family, but God will use each and every one of those children to impact the landscape and the destiny of this nation of the Philippines. Can you imagine? In our own homes are the future leaders. We don't know who will rule 20 years from now or 30 years from now. It may be one of your children. And we have a stewardship over them. That is a vision that we now have. We need to take it seriously, what God wants to do in our lives. You know, even in our church, we've been blessed. As I was saying earlier, we've been existing for the past 30 years. And we've seen in 1984, we started with about 100 plus people and now we've you know, reach about 70,000 plus in Metro Manila. And I'm saying this not so that we will find out how many we are, but it's because of discipleship and leadership. We've never been afraid to pass on the baton to the next generation. The reason why we're able to plant more churches is because we don't really have to wait till those disciples are ready and mature before they plant a church. Even while in the middle of training, we launch them forth. And we equip them along the way. It's almost like saying, we build as we fly. And as we do that, God has been gracious to our ministry. And we've not seen a church split you know, by, his, you know, by His grace. And we've always uh, you know, valued unity among us. But we're able to release young people. That's why you see that, at least in a picture of that, happening right now uh, in this service. You know, I also was reading, uh, I think about a couple of weeks ago, that the king of Spain finally passed on his throne to his son. And King Juan Carlos, who's 76 years old, he ruled Spain for the past four decades, 39 years. And finally he said, before I die, I don't want to die, before my son would be the king of, or be, would, get, would get my throne. But even while I'm still alive, I want to be able to pass on my kingship to my son, and this is the new king, King Felipe VI, who is 46 years old. Not really a young person, but somehow, you know, I believe that there is, has been a changing of the guard, and we should not be afraid to do that. Think multi-generational. Secondly, we need to dedicate. Everybody say dedicate. And it's been a dedicate. Dedicate, okay? Dedicate. Dedicate natin kay Lord, yan. Dedicate the next generation to God. And this is exactly what Hannah did to Samuel. She dedicated her son. 
and gave him for the service of the Lord in the temple where Eli the priest was ministering in. 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 24 says, After he was weaned, she took the boy with her, young as he was, along with the three-year-old bull. And you know the story, nag-sacrifice sila. And finally, after the slaughter, they brought the boy to the priest, Eli. And the context of this is during those days, if you have a son, the firstborn male really belongs to the Lord, according to the Levitical law. Every firstborn male and every firstborn animal belongs to the Lord. But the, but, the, but the law also says that you can redeem your son if you want them to be redeemed for you. So it's either you release them for the service of the Lord or you can redeem them for you. But Hannah decided to release her boy, the only son that she has. It's by, and you know, according to um, tradition and the custom of uh, the Hebrew, it's like the sons are like the retirement insurance. When the mom and the dad grow old, normally it's the firstborn son who will take care of them in their old age. But yet Hannah, by faith in the Lord, said, I'm going to release my boy in the Lord's service. Lord, you will take care of me. You know, one of the things that we do here in this church is we uh, dedicate uh, young children. Now, how many of you have had the experience or the chance of having your child dedicated by this church. Anybody, anybody here? Nagpa-dedicate na kayo ng anak. Please raise your hand. Alright, we do that service, by the way. We do have a dedication service. Aside from uh, a wedding service, uh, aside from the, fun- or the memorial service, we also do dedication service for young children. Yesterday, I was in a dedication service and we dedicated a, uh, a cute little girl whose name is Lexi, and she is the fifth child of one of our members in this char- uh, of this church. And she is, uh, you know, the, the mom was actually praying, Lord, thank you so much that even I am like the modern-day Sarah, because uh, she was like birth when she was just 40-plus uh, years old also. Just guess the date, okay? I mean, guess the age. And yet, they still look at this child as a precious gift from God. You know, when you talk about dedication, dedication is not just a ceremony. Dedication is a commitment unto the Lord. When you dedicate a child, you're not just dedicating to the, uh, the child to the Lord. You are dedicating yourself to the purposes of God in raising up this child in the ways of God. And the third point is this. We need to mentor. Everybody say mentor. Mentor the next generation. And when Samuel was finally in the temple, it was no longer Hannah who's with him every day. It was the priest Eli. And I believe that in our lives, even as parents, we need the help of other people in mentoring our own children. Even ourselves need to be mentored. In fact, there was one story in the life of Samuel in in 1 Samuel chapter 3. The first time that he started hearing the voice of God. And it says in verse 4, Then the Lord called Samuel and he said, Here I am. And ran to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. But he said, I did not call. That's Eli. Lie down again. So he went and lay down. In verse 6, it says, The Lord called again Samuel. And Samuel arose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. But he said, I did not call. My son, you lie down again. How many of you will be scared if you hear a voice at night that calls your name, Ariel. 
and it's the voice of a man. And I'll ask, I'll ask my wife, Why, uh, love, did you call me? And that's exactly what's happening here. Eli hears literally an audible voice from the Lord. And it was not, sorry, Samuel. And it was not Eli. So for the third time, now Samuel did not yet know the Lord. And the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. So he was still a young boy. He's called to be a prophet, but somebody had to mentor him in hearing the voice of God. In fact, the destiny of Samuel is even greater than the destiny of the priest Eli. But yet God used the older generation, Eli, in order to train a younger generation, Samuel, on how to hear the voice of the Lord. We need the older generation to train the younger generation to walk in the ways of God. And in verse 8 it says, The Lord called Samuel again the third time. And he arose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. And, and then Eli perceived that the Lord was calling the young man. There, therefore Eli said to Samuel, Go lie down, and if he calls you, you shall say, Speak, Lord, for your servant hears. That's from the ESV version. In the, in the NIV it says, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place, and the Lord came and stood, calling as at the other times, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel said, Speak, for your servant hears. Then the Lord said to Samuel, Behold, I am about to do a thing in Israel at which the two ear, the, oh, sorry, in which the two ears of everyone who hears it will tingle. And thus, from that time on, the Lord started speaking straight to Samuel. And he spoke prophetically before the nation of Israel. It was the priest Eli who mentored Samuel on hearing God. Now, this particular person passes down something that he knows to the next generation. You know, back in the day when I was in high school, I think the way we listen to music is not through podcast. You know, it's really the good old cassette recorder. <laughs> Maybe some of you know this particular cassette or this tape. Thus, you know, Maybe the young people are looking at this particular picture. What does that mean? This is how we play music. This is the analog. This is, you know, you know back in the day, we have Walkmans. And, you know, there's no podcast. There's no Spotify. There's no iTunes. You cannot download music. But if you want to listen to music, you have to have a player that plays a cassette tape. And from time to time, my friends would have some music or something, a cassette that they've bought from the music store. And I'd like to have a copy. And how do I do that? I'd buy a blank tape. It's kind of like downloading the analog way. And what happens is, you know, if I want to get or capture all the music from one cassette to this blank tape, I have to have a double cassette recorder. This is what you call the original boombox. So you put the original here, and you put the blank cassette here, and you press record play. Now, of course, if you're so used to nowadays, you know, 
transferring files from your USB drive to your computer. It takes about maybe three seconds for entire music. It takes about, I don't know, maybe a half an hour. So take your breakfast, have coffee before you finish your download. But the point is this. Every time something is passed down from the original to the copy, something of the quality is lost. It's not the same as the original. You know, maybe you're going to capture the music, but you'll also capture some quality hits. You'll hear some background sound. And, for example, if now I have my own copy of the Tears for Fears album, and if another friend saw my copy and he says, can I copy your copy? What I would say is, give me a blank tape and I would put it in the same cassette recorder and I would put my copied original. That's why it's called copyright, right? Copyright away, okay? <laughs> you copy it and then you put the tape here and I'm copying not from the original, but I'm copying from the copy. And the quality continues to diminish. And if another friend from the village would find my friend who got my copy and he says, can I copy the Tears for Fears? Now he's copying the copy of the copy from the original. And so on and so forth. Can you imagine if you go down the fifth generation, there's no more sound. There's only noise. The everybody wants to rule the world, I don't know, becomes probably sounding like a Madonna already. I don't know. It becomes different because of the generational transfer, there's actually something that is lost from generation to generation. But I believe in Christianity, we ought to pray that when we transfer the gospel, when we transfer our values, when we transfer what we have from our generation to the next generation, to the next generation, to the next generation, I pray and hope that the same quality of the Holy Spirit will still be there from the original copy down to the last of the generation. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Can we just give the Lord praise for that? That's why even in the book of Acts, it says, in the last days, God will pour out His Spirit on on all flesh. Young people will prophesy and old men will dream dreams. The question for us today is, do you see visions or prophecy or do you dream dreams? It basically dictates if you are young or old. That's why my, my final point as we close this sermon is we need to dedicate and mentor the next generation for God's purpose. We have a stewardship, I believe. God called us, this current generation, looking at our children, looking at our youth group, looking at the young people in our society. I believe that God will give us wisdom on how to raise up these young people for his purpose. I'd like to end by reading a quote from Billy Graham, a 90-year-old evangelist. He said this, The greatest legacy you can pass on to your children and grandchildren is not your money or the other material things you have accumulated in life. The greatest legacy you can pass on to them is the legacy of your character and faith. The same is true for other young people who know us and observe us even if they aren't related to us. It was the evangelist Billy Graham who said this because he sees the value of a soul not in terms of money but in terms of eternal life and value. 
We hope you were inspired by that message. Be updated on coming events. Visit our website at www.victoryalabang.org and join us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Thank you and stay connected.